Uh, Today, we're looking at um, the mighty God title from Isaiah 9-6, and I'm going to read our passage for us now from the prophet Isaiah, who writes this. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. So today, what I'm hoping for us to see, and and I'm hoping for my own heart as well, uh, that Jesus is more powerful than all of our problems and more glorious than any great gift that we have in life. That Jesus is far more powerful, more mighty than all of our problems, and, and even more glorious than any of the best things that we have in this life, because we're not only tempted to, to walk away or, or set our hearts on something else because of negative things, but oftentimes positive things. When life is going super well, uh, that can keep us uh, from looking to Christ by faith. So he's more powerful than our problems and more glorious than our greatest gift. In Isaiah seven fourteen, writing some 700 years prior to the coming of Jesus, the prophet wrote this, the Lord himself will give you a sign... Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course means God with us. And then in our passage today, he gives him five titles. Four, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And so today we're looking at mighty God. So as I mentioned last week, Isaiah is writing at a time when um, the neighbors to Israel, who who are divided at this time between the northern tribes and then uh, the singular tribe in the south, Judah, Uh, but around them, their neighbors, the Assyrians, are growing in great power and becoming very mighty, right? They are powerful and they're violent and abusive and, and bent on destruction, And uh, both the northern tribes and the tribe of Judah are growing in in fear and concern about what's going to happen with Assyria. And God has warned them that ultimately Assyria is going to attack and take them into captivity. And the big question for Judah uh, was this, King Ahaz, would they trust in their foreign allies to come to their aid, or, or would they trust in their own ability to fight, or... Would they trust in God? Would they trust in all these other resources, or would they put their hope in God? They were at this crossroads. And if you think about it, as you go and look at the Old Testament, I mean, it's, it's a lot of books, but as you look at the story, you see evidence of God's faithfulness and his might and his power over and over and over again to the people of Israel. And now they stand at this crossroads in the book of Isaiah And they have to ask themselves the question, are we going to trust God or not? And that's a lot like our story too, if you think about it. It's just like our story, in a way. Like I've never seen a burning bush, never seen uh, the sea parted, right? But on the other hand, I have seen God's mighty power in life. Much less spectacular, of course, than the coming of the Messiah or these, these works of great power in the Old Testament. But God has been faithful to me. And God has shown himself mighty and powerful at different points during my life. And yet, I often stand at a crossroads and, and have to ask myself, am I going to trust God or not? 
Am I going to look at my problems and see the greatness of them and turn from God in unbelief? Or am I going to get sucked away because life is so good and so glorious and forget how glorious he is? We often stand at this crossroads between doubt and faith, just like Israel did. So will I trust God even though the circumstance the circumstances and the problems that are right in front of me, they seem so mighty. They seem so powerful. And we often confess with our mouths that Jesus is mighty, that Jesus is powerful. But we often, and I'm right there with you, confessing with our lives, with our emotions, with our actions, with our fears, something else is more mighty to us. Something else seems more powerful. So whatever is actually mighty to us, both negatively and positively, will shape us, will form us, will change us. We know that to be true. Whatever we put as preeminent in our life, even the thing that we fear the most or that we think is the most glorious, that thing, that idea, that person, that thing will shape us and form us. There's this book entitled, When People Are Big and God is Small. And we could re-title uh, re- it today and say, when people, ideas, circumstances, problems, or good gifts are big and God is small. Well, there's ramifications for that. What other people think about us is often big, too big. I mean, nobody wants people to think you know, badly about us, but sometimes we, we let what other people are thinking about us become way, way too big, and that shapes us. It forms us. Sometimes money gets too big. Sometimes you have more than enough money, and and yet it's never enough, and it's too big, and it's shaping you and forming you. Some of you have far too little, and you're in debt, and you need more, but even that, it becomes the sole focus of your life, and then that can become too powerful for you. Relationships, so the hope of one is mighty. We can put all of our hope in another person that I have to have them. I have to have their acceptance. I have to have their love. I have to have their affections. And if I lose that, I'll have nothing. That becomes too mighty. That shapes us. It's powerful. Fear is mighty. Pleasure can be mighty. Um, Becky's parents have both passed away, but uh, before they did, uh, and some of you have been in this church long enough to remember this, they would spend a month with us every, every winter. They would fly out and spend basically all of January with us. And I got to admit, <laughs> at first, that was a bit of a challenge. Like when we first moved here and they were like, hey, good news, we're going to spend a month with you every year. And I was like, oh, wonderful, at first, at first. But then over time, I, have to, it, it, I, I promise you this is true, it became a thing that I gladly anticipated. Becky was always thrilled about it. And it became a wonderful thing for our kids to grow up and have a whole month with their grandparents. But on one particular time in January, uh, we were watching football, and Becky's dad had a significant cardiac event, and his, his heart stopped beating for a long time. And the paramedics had to shock his heart several times to get a pulse. And when we got him admitted to the hospital in Tempe, they told us, basically, you need to gather the family because the fluid in his lungs and his age, he's just not going to survive this. There's no way. And so we called her sisters, and one of them even got on a plane like that night and flew from Portland and got here. And in spite of what the doctors said, and they were right, ordinarily someone with that much fluid in his age was not going to overcome that. But God in that moment chose to be merciful and faithful and mighty. And his, the fluid in his lungs just sort of cleared. 
And he woke up. And the first thing he asked was, did the Colts win? (laughs) He really did. He really did. His brain and heart had been turned off for a long time, and he still had enough cognition to say, did they beat Tom Brady? And we said, yes, Dad. And he's like, I can die in peace. (laughs) He lived many more years after that. And for a time, when you have an experience like that, where you really feel like you've witnessed a mighty miracle, really, uh, that shapes you and that forms you. But the reality, I hate to say it, uh, uh, me, I can only speak for me. I don't know about Becky, but it was powerful for months that fueled me like God is mighty. But you know what happens? You forget. I read the Gospels and I hear the, you know, I hear the stories of these disciples and it's like, He just brought somebody back from the dead. Why won't you just listen to this guy? Why do you keep doubting and doing all this stupid stuff? But then I remember, man, I don't know if I'm any different. Because we have these experiences. We see God's mighty hand, and yet we doubt. And I want us to see two things today. First is Jesus is mighty God. He really is. And second, how can we be shaped by his might and his power? Jesus is mighty, and he's mighty over creation. And as you study the New Testament, one of the things that will be a little shocking, perhaps, is that as you read the Gospels, even, the Gospel of John, for example, and then later Paul and Colossians, he just keeps talking about how through, uh, so God exists as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all three members of the trinity are equally God, fully God, and eternally God, yet through the Son, the trinity in in, in the sovereignty of God's Trinitarian being, decided that the creation of the universe would flow through the sun. John talks about this powerfully, that everything in the entire universe was created by Jesus and for Jesus. He's the Lord over creation. He's mighty over creation. And Jesus, for example, was at a wedding party. And John, the same gospel writer, John, tells us that his very first miracle in Cana of Galilee was what? Do you remember? He turned water into wine, roughly 180 gallons. And it's an interesting story. It's a fascinating one. We can't go into the details right now. But, you know, like, so they, they, they're at a wedding party, and how embarrassing. And, and, and by the way, like, it's not just a two or three-hour reception. These things went on for days. So they ran out of wine, and Mary, of course, goes up to Jesus and says, they ran out of wine, and he's like, what are you talking about? You know, why are you bugging me about this? And she, she just is like, do it, you know? <laughs> and he does and can you imagine how good the wine was? And they make mention of it, right? But if God of the universe, the God who created grapes and water and chemistry and physics and all of it, that has to have been the best wine ever in the existence of, of planet Earth, right? It has to have been. It has to have been. And, and, and they mention it like you, most people bring out the bad wine after days of drinking, but you bring out the best. It was literally the best. Why? Because Jesus is Lord and mighty over creation. Um, he walked on water, mighty over creation. He calmed the seas with a word. He calmed a storm with a single word, just shh, silence, and then calm. And he fed 5,000 people. We could go on, right? 
Jesus was mighty and is mighty over creation. Jesus is mighty over disease, and it does not feel like that to us now as we live in this broken, sinful place, right, where we struggle with disease and sickness and ailments. But Jesus is mighty over our physical problems and disease. He healed paralytics, a man with a withered hand, a woman with a blood disease. All she had to do was touch the very fringe of his, his robe, and she was healed. Remember? Uh, who touched me? There's a huge crowd around you. What do you mean who touched you? And he knew that this woman had been healed. He healed the deaf, the blind, and the lepers. And, and we don't understand God's economy. We certainly, we're like Job. We don't understand and we ask, why, why, why don't you heal now? But the reason his healing power was so powerfully extended while he was here on planet Earth is because he was demonstrating the kingdom of God. And the king was here physically And when King Jesus was here, it is a demonstration of what the coming kingdom will be like, where all disease and everything that is broken and wrong and failed and unjust in this world is put to rights because the king was there. And brothers and sisters, the king will be here again. He will come again. He's mighty over disease. He's mighty over evil. You see in the gospels time and time again where evil can't exist in the presence of Jesus. Uh, let us go into that, fl- that flock of pigs. That's not the right f- a phrase. They don't flock. What do they do? Uh, a herd of pigs. Thank you. And then, you know, they fly over the, the side of the hill. <laughs> a flock of pigs. <laughs> when pigs fly, right? So, okay. Um, he, had, he had personal power of evil with a word. He would cast out demons. The evil one, of course, feared him. And ultimately, Jesus is the one who will crush the serpent's head and fulfill what God said in Genesis 3. He was mighty over death. A man named Jairus had a daughter who was dead, and Jesus simply said to her, and he, he, he said, they're, they're, she's just asleep. And they're like, no, she's dead, Jesus. And he says, little girl, wake up. And she does. And then there's Lazarus, who was rotting in the tomb. The stench of death was already there, and they were so mad at him and sad because they were very close friends with him. And I love that about uh, the story, is Jesus actually, he didn't just have disciples, he had friends. And, And Lazarus died, and even though the stench of death had already set in, he said, come out, and Lazarus rises from the dead. He himself rose from the grave after three days. And I also love the story where where we see that Jesus is mighty over our personal lives. And why do I say that? Well, in John 4, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman, and Jesus knew everything about her life. She goes into the city afterwards and said, come meet a man who told me everything about me. He knew everything about her. And, And that gives me great hope that he's mighty over my life. He knows the details of our lives. He knew that woman. He knows you. Now, let's talk about being shaped by this might, being formed by this might. As we experience the might and power of God, and as we meditate on it in his power, and as we ultimately, because the whole goal of meditation and prayer and study of scripture is, is not knowledge necessarily, just gnosis or you know, an idea to think about, but is to be moved to worship. And as our hearts are moved to worship, as we think about his power, and we think about his might, as we think about and meditate on that and are moved by that and pray over that, we're moved to worship, to attach our hearts 
And we begin to be formed by that. Strong in faith, we become mighty in faith. Mighty in hope and mighty in love. And so, as a challenging exercise, let's ask ourselves a question. Um, What would a person's life look like if they truly believed that Jesus is more powerful than their problems and more glorious than any of the greatest gifts they have in this life? And and as we do this, we're all going to be tempted to feel a lot of like, like, I'm not cutting it. And that's not the point. The point is not to go, oh, we're so bad at belief, but instead to say, look how much freedom there is in belief. And to help one another and to help our own hearts. So it's not to just like heap guilt, but instead to say, because the gospel's this good, we can believe these things. What would it, would it look like for a person to believe that um, Jesus is actually more powerful than our problems and actually more glorious than any good thing that we have? Well, first, they would experience, I would think, a growing peace in their life in spite of the anxieties of the day. Are you going to be anxious? Of course you're going to be anxious. Are you going to be fearful? Of course you're going to be fearful. But there's this growing sense of, but God has this. He's mighty. He's powerful. They would be moving into freedom, realizing that that God is in control, so I don't have to be in control. Any control freaks in the room? (laughs) I have to manage it. I have to think it through. I have to tell God and remind him, like, you know, like, you got this, right? Do you remember what I said, God? You know, it's like, hey, uh, and, and you just get freedom to say, I don't have to micromanage this because God is actually in control. They would be joyful even when facing difficult circumstances, believing and hoping that God is greater than my problems. And I so often forget that. They'd be willing to take some risk in faith, to share your faith or to serve someone or to, uh, to be generous, to be hospitable, to open up your life, to say, Lord, send me. They would have an awe of God that would move them to take their sin seriously. I mean, the more we see God is glorious and holy, the Bible talks about having a holy fear before him. And that's not a cowering fear for the children of God, but it is a sense of like, God, you're holy and I'm not, and I need to become holy. Your word says, be holy as I am holy. And so it would take sin seriously and begin to mourn sin and say, Father, help me to grow and to become more like you. And again, focused more on God's power than the power of our problems. So, what do we look to in our lives as the most mighty thing? For you, is it a good thing or is it a problem? What is most mighty to you? We often look at people and things as mighty in terms of blessing, and we're, we're tempted to bow, right? I mean, I can remember when our boys were little, <laughs> and the closest thing I've ever had to like literal idolatry was going into their, their crib at night and seeing their form and just the beauty of creation, and yet going, almost wanting to bow and worship this child. Because... An infant child is just so glorious and so beautiful. And it's not, it's not the creator, it's a creature, but because we're, we're image bearers, it's the closest thing we have uh, to God in our lives physically as another human being because we're image bearers. And the greatest gift God has ever given me is my wife and kids. And so I, there I literally felt at times like I could get down and worship 
this good gift, but we mustn't. One of the worst things we can do to our kids, right, is to worship them and, and to put them ahead of God or ahead of our spouse even. There's a sense where we have to release them and say, these are your good gifts, but they're gifts. And they're yours. They're yours, O Lord. What are you looking to as most mighty? Is it a problem? Is it a difficulty? Is it a thing? Is it a person? The material world is not evil. Money is not evil. Things are not evil. But if you make too much of them, they have a power over us. Is it an amount of money that you think if you have, then everything would be great? That could change everything? Our pop problems are so powerful at times. What if I lose their approval? What if I'm exposed? What if people find out what I'm really like? What if, what if uh, my story gets put out there? Uh, what if I lose my money, my health, my family? My health is already failing. What if it gets worse, right? And we get in this, this anxious cycle. What if I lose that relationship? What if they leave me? These are powerful. And how can we meet the might of these problems with an even mightier celebration of the power of Jesus? It's so hard. It's so difficult. I think this is why we actually uh, need one another as the body of Christ. When you share what's going on in your life with another brother, another sister, and say, like, this is happening, and to be able to cheer one another up in the gospel and say, I love you, and I know this is hard, but I'm for you. And remember, and be careful in this, right? Don't be preachy, but when you have an opportunity, remind one another, God is good. You are blessed. God is powerful. We can begin our days with prayers, something like, Lord, help me to live each moment today focused on the reality that you are mightier than anything else I face today. Even if that circumstance wins, even if I were to die today, you're still mighty. And then whatever you're feeling, anxious, fearful, joyful, angry, ask yourself, am I living in the reality of Jesus' might? Throughout Jesus' life, he demonstrated that he was the mighty God. But can you imagine how his disciples felt? Like they had seen person after person healed, uh, people raised from the dead, mighty and powerful teaching, feeding of the 5,000, walking on water. And then the Romans, uh, they arrest him. And they try him. And they beat him. And they mock him. And they're threatening the same to these, these 11 disciples who are left, Lazarus having been gone, or not Lazarus. So you've got this horrible situation. And can you, ima- can you imagine the temptations and, and the fear that they must have felt? And it's like, why aren't you doing something? We've seen the power of your might. You've done all these things. Why are you just, and you're, we've believed you're the Messiah, and you're just going to hand yourself over to be mocked and spat upon, stripped naked. And then the worst came. He was crucified. And and you know the beauty of this, that what looked like weakness was actually the greatest demonstration of God's power. I don't want to take this dramatically too far, but can you imagine what the evil one was thinking? He does not have uh, perfect knowledge as God does. He does not have the attributes of God. He's not not omniscient. He's He's not omnipresent, for example, Can you imagine the victory that the evil one must have thought was being accomplished, that the Son of God was arrested, that the Son of God was mocked, beaten, and crucified, and died? And yet what seemed as if the greatest defeat of the greatest power 
was the most powerful thing that he could have ever done because by, dis- by dying himself, he was destroying death. He was condemned falsely, but on the cross, he destroyed our condemnation. He died so that we may not have to die. He was judged by the Father that we will never be judged by the Father. And so when you're feeling anxious or fearful or angry or stressed because some circumstance, remind yourself that God is mighty for you in Jesus. And whether you get the outcome you desire or not, and that's the hard part, of course, Jesus is mighty. Jesus is mighty, and Jesus is Lord. And let's remember that during this time of Advent. And I'm going to close today this sermon but uh, by praying one of the prayers in our devotion this week. Uh, would you join me? O oh God, who set the word firmly, world firmly in its place, help me to believe that your strength has also set me in place. Lord, as you covered the mountains with a blanket of ocean, cover me now in your peace. What a beautiful prayer. May we pray that this week. As you covered the mountains with a blanket of ocean, cover me now in your peace. As I go forth into this day, help me to remember that you are the mighty God and I am not. When I attempt to control all the circumstances of life, rescue me from myself. Loosen my grasp. Help me to breathe in the breath of truth. You, Lord Jesus, our mighty God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.